But to those of you that are, are watching with us, I look forward to when we can meet together again as a congregation here in the auditorium. As I said last week, this decision that we have taken is not one out of fear, not at all. If we were afraid, then the worship team wouldn't have come together either. But it's a decision that we have taken because there has been a decree issued, a declaration throughout Hillsborough County. And so we're in compliance. I want to make it very clear there's a huge difference between uh, compromising and compliance. Uh, to comply is to honor the law of the land, and we comply with the law of the land. But when and if the law of the land should ever go against the law of God, then of course the word of God uh, has supremacy, and it overrides. Uh, and this decree is not a decree that tells us not to worship. It's not a decree that tells us not to gather in our homes. I want to remind you that the early church grew on the backs of meeting from house to house. We have the added advantage to the early style of house meetings, and that is that we can still be, as a worship team and as the pastor bringing the word of the Lord, we can still be with you in your living room. So we comply with the law of the land, just like Romans 13 tells us to, to be in submission to the authorities that govern over us. But I want to assure you, and I want to encourage you to stand in faith and believe with all of your heart that because you are a child of God, you are in the kingdom of God, you are not in the kingdom of darkness, we are in this world, but not of this world. The government of this world, as in the spiritual forces of darkness, do not have jurisdiction over you or me. But Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, he's the one who governs us. He's the one who has jurisdiction over our lives. And I think it's very important. It might seem like just silly words to say. But there are power, there is power in these words. As we make the declaration, Jesus Christ governs me. Jesus Christ, I live under the government and the jurisdiction of his control. And therefore, coronavirus, before it comes to me, has got to bow its knee and uh, acknowledge the power and the lordship of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. The one that we love, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I've been preaching on a series entitled the Hev um, um, Rend the Heavens. That's been the series title. And uh, my message this morning is called The Heavens Are Rent When You Remember God's Ways. God's ways and man's ways aren't always the same. The way God thinks and the way some men think don't always agree. Hopefully, for you and I, the Church of Jesus Christ, we've learned to come into alignment with his word and into alignment with his spirit. And hopefully, that phrase is not true of you and true of me. 
Hopefully, we have come to learn the ways of our Father, and we walk in it. But my sermon title, nonetheless, is The Heavens Are Rent When You Remember God's Ways. It's very interesting that as I was putting the verses together this morning, that the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart somewhere around 4 a.m., 5 a.m., I, I really don't know. I can only but guesstimate. As I started to put down uh, pen to paper and words uh, and started to formulate the scriptures, I wrote down the introduction verse to this whole series just to start things off and keep it in context. I'm going to read it to you again in Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 to 5. And uh, this is what the prophet Isaiah says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you as fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Uh, I think it's every son of God's deep desire to see the heavens rent open and for revival to come down and for the fire of God to burn up the twigs, for the power of God to boil the water, for the Spirit of God to set our spirit on fire so that we are ignited with a passion. And I tell you, as we are facing these times and these days, it surely brings me to reflect on the fact that the end is closer than ever and Jesus Christ is coming back again. And as we anticipate his return, I thank God that we can also anticipate outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Now, I already shared with you last week a whole series of circumstances that showed uh, very clearly how God was leading us by his prophetic spirit in even preaching this series and how long before the coronavirus had really taken root uh, on our TV stations, on the news and the media, God had started to speak to us that when there is a drought, when there is a locust plague, or when there is a, a plague of disease, that we're to call out to heaven and God would rend the heavens and hear from heaven. But if we keep reading this verse in Isaiah chapter 64, I want you to hear the last portion of this verse because it ties in with the story that I'm going to tell you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, O God, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Come on, church. We, we wait for God in faithful anticipation because we know that God is going to bring a breakthrough. We know that God is going to cause miraculous things to happen in our lives, and God is going to turn things around. This verse isn't talking to people who just, you know, suffer it out. It says, 
that he acts on behalf of those who are waiting for him. This is anxious, uh, reliance, faithful expectation that God's going to do something. And then in the very last verse that I'm about to read, verse 5, he says, You come to the help of those who gladly do what is right, who remember your ways. Who remember your ways. Listen, I am not speaking to the church when I repeat this phrase taken out of the Old Testament. God says to Israel in a state of rebellion, in a state of worldliness, in a state of carnality, he said, your ways are not my ways. Unfortunately, that, that verse is often taken out of context and it's spoken to us, the church. But God was speaking it to Israel. Can it relate to the church? Yes. But the condition of Israel's heart at the time that God said it was one of rebellion, stubbornness, arrogance, and they were sinfully doing their own thing. Hopefully, you, the church, are living and doing what is right in the eyes of God. But when men don't walk right with God, God says, God's spirit says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Here in Isaiah, Isaiah says, those who are waiting for you, you'll appear to them. And you will come to the help of those who are doing the right thing, who remember your ways. I want to share with you a story about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was, before he got saved, he was a, a, a fervent, fiery man who was contrary to the word of God and the will of God, and he was persecuting the Christians. You all know that story really well, so I'm going to cut to the chase. And here as Paul is going around, he starts in Jerusalem and he's preaching and he goes out into throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, he's going to uh, the synagogue one morning to pray, as was his custom. And a young lady comes out, and she had the spirit of divination. And she starts declaring, these are the sons of the Most High God. And day after day, she would do this. And the Bible says that it was actually getting on the Apostle Paul's nerves. It was grating against his spirit because he knew that this demon, while he was speaking things in truth, he was speaking them in a mocking way. And so finally, the apostle Paul comes up to this woman and he casts that demon out of her. And she lost the ability to predict the future or to tell people uh, what was in their destiny. And when her owners saw that this woman was set free, they no longer had a claim to her life. She was no longer a source of revenue for them. She was no longer a puppet under the control of the puppet master. But she had now become set free, an individual in her own right mind, with her own free will, she was delivered. I want you to understand that wherever you are at in your life at the moment, Jesus Christ 
comes to set us free from the chains of darkness. That's right. Jesus Christ comes to set us free from the chains of darkness to deliver us from the power of the enemy. Come on, somebody agree with me and say praise God. Our Jesus is a deliverer. He's a savior. And so Paul sets her free, and these men who had uh, possession of this woman, who had control over her life through demonic influence, and maybe men have had control over your life through demonic influence, I want you to know there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power to set you free. I believe in the supernatural moving of the Holy Ghost. I believe that the gifts are still for today. I believe that God speaks and people who have inclined their ear to hear with faith, hear the mysteries of God and move in supernatural ways. I believe right now there are people that the Spirit of God is speaking to. He's touching your heart. He's leaning into you and you can sense it. And friend, I encourage you. In fact, I I absolutely adjure you to respond to Jesus today and let him be your Lord and your Savior. Well, these men made quite a bit of commotion and a ruckus. They were manipulators. They were controlling. They were abusive. Hence, this woman was in the predicament that she was in. She was their slave for fortune, but their fortune. And so these men, they got angry. They, they uh, stirred up a commotion and they grabbed Paul, they grabbed Silas and they drug, dra- dragged them before the uh, soldiers and the, before the magistrates. And I want to read for you from Acts chapter 16. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet in stocks. You know, during coronavirus, I've been having a preach right here at the pulpit And it's been a little bit like being in stock and chain. And I'm sort of bound to this pulpit. I can move around somewhat, but those of you that are part of Grace and Faith know I usually like walking amongst the congregation. And so I'm in a prison of sorts. But maybe you're in a prison of sorts. Maybe the enemy has manipulated circumstances so that you are all bound up and in prison. Maybe people have risen against you. Maybe situations have come against you. Listen, I want to tell you that even in a prison cell, and it's very interesting to see here that Paul wasn't just in prison. They put him in the inner cell. It's as if they put him in solitude confinement. They put him where nobody could break out. He wasn't just in the prison. He was in the center of the prison, locked up, chained up, and the enemy was rattling Paul's chain. Maybe the enemy's rattling your chain. Maybe the thoughts of coronavirus, or maybe your marital situation, 
Or maybe a situation in your family and the enemy's been rattling your chain. And while ever you live in fear, while ever you live in doubt, while ever you live second-guessing whether or not God will set you free, you are already in bondage. Fear is submission to the negative imagination of what might be. Where faith is submission to the imagination of what God can do. Amen. And so fear might have already put you in chains. Maybe the enemy rattles your thoughts and maybe he rattles your mind and he rattles your emotion and he dictates to you fearful thoughts, worrisome thoughts. I want to tell you that there is a breakthrough. To rend the heavens is to violently smash open the heavens. If you are born again, if you have asked Jesus Christ into your heart, whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Don't let the enemy put his chains on you. Don't let fear speak into your heart. Don't let worry or doubt or any other other such thing, disease or pestilence, challenge you or rattle your chain. The moment we submit to those things, we are already in a prison in the inner cell of our soul. I want to tell you that the Word of God is very powerful, and God has given a word today to set you free. We're looking at this series about how to rend the heavens because I believe that God is preparing us for revival. But I want you to understand what the definition of revival is. There are two kingdoms at work in the world today, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. This world at present is controlled by the kingdom of darkness. So what is revival? Revival is when the church of Jesus Christ gets itself into a position where it's in alignment with God's word, alignment with God's lifestyle, alignment with God's faith, and suddenly the heavens start to shake and the, 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 the darkness of the power of, of the enemy starts to break and shafts of God's light, shafts of deliverance, shafts of salvation, shafts of healing start to break through the atmosphere. I am absolutely convinced that you could be in revival in a world that's in turmoil. You could completely be in the presence of God in a ship that's going nowhere and going down. Listen, Breakthrough, rending the heavens, is about the church of Jesus Christ rising up and coming into agreement with God through the prophet Joel who said in these last days, I will pour out my spirit. God didn't say, I'd like to. He said, I will. And for every person who jumps in faith and says, God will rend the heavens and pour out his Holy Spirit as you come into agreement with God's ways and God's thoughts. You start to align yourself up with the power of heaven and you allow the power of heaven to break through 
in your situation. I want you to see something here. It says, uh, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. What are you doing during this time of coronavirus? Are you on the phone with your family talking about how terrible things are? Paul and Silas were in stocks. Their hands were in chains. Their feet were in chains. They were locked up in prison, but they were praising God. They were talking about the goodness of God. They were talking about the power of God. They were talking about the saving ability of, of, of Jesus Christ. They were talking about their Savior, Yeshua, Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And the people around them, while Paul and Silas were in chains, heard these victorious declarations about the power of God. What are the people around you hearing right now? Because I want to tell you that you are responsible for the heavens that are around you. Your tongue has the power to unleash the agents of life or the agents of death. And I'm calling the church of Jesus Christ to speak the way God would speak, to come into agreement with the heart of God. Paul and Silas were giving praise in the midst of adversity. Here they were <laughs> in the middle of a prison. Here you can be in your worst case scenario. But if your mouth is filled with the words of your worst case scenario, all it will do is remind you that you are in chains and you are in fetters. Come on, church. This is the time where the church of Jesus Christ needs to know there is power in the name of Jesus and he will break every chain. And as we declare to the world, as we declare to ourselves, as we declare to our neighbors and our friends on the phone, as we declare to those around us that Jesus is in control. It will break every chain and the enemy will have to run and flee and disappear because the sons of God have not been put back in a bondage but they have been set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an agreement? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Isn't it interesting that Isaiah says in chapter 64, rend the heavens and shake the mountains. <laughs> uh, at once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. I want you to see something here. I'm talking to the church, and this whole series is about revival, about rending the heavens. I want you to see something in this story that I've never heard preached before. And so I want you to look intently. It only took two men in a guarded, secured Roman Empire 
prison system. Two men locked away in the inner chamber. But because of their faith, because of their agreement, because of their prayer, and because of their praise, the chains of darkness not only came off of them, the Bible says the chains came off of everyone around them. You see, church, the reason why you and I need to pay attention to this series about rending the heavens is that is because God wants to bring revival. And the same way judgment starts at the house of God, expectation starts at the house of God, accountability starts at the house of God, so does revival, so does refreshing, so does rivers of living water. It starts at the house of God. You and I were left here on earth to be God's conduit to the nations. We are God's vessels. And as he empties himself out into us and pours out his Holy Spirit, Spirit, we are meant to be the vehicles whereby the earth hears a sound that is like no ordinary sound. Come on, church, you got to put your praise on. Come on, church, you got to put your faith on. Come on, church, you got to know your God because those who know their God are strong and they do mighty exploits. What's the sound? in the atmosphere around you. You see, Paul and Silas were responsible for uh, the heavens being rent that night, and anyone in their circumference was instantly set free, and their chains were broken. That's what happens when revival comes. When we get so full of the Holy Ghost, our very presence starts to affect people. I'm believing right now that as we're going out through the internet, people's hearts are being challenged. People's hearts are being stirred. People's faith is being raised up again. Come on, don't be a sit on the pew, coming late to church Christian. Be a Christian who is stoking the fire of the Holy Ghost and daring to live on the edge of God's word, believing that every word is written and inspired by God and full of the power of God I believe in history but I don't believe in the word of God only as a book of history I believe in the word of God as God's story for then now and tomorrow amen praise God look the atmosphere changed so much that everyone's chains came off of them. I want you to understand this. And uh, it says, at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he knew if any of these prisoners escaped from a prison system that was... Uh, controlled by the Roman Empire, his neck would be on the line. And he thought it better that he kill himself than be in the hands of the Roman government at their execution orders. And so immediately he draws a sword. He's about to shove it deep into his chest. And all of a sudden, 
he, he, Paul shouts out and he says, uh, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and uh, he fell trembling at Paul and Silas's feet. And he brought them out and he said, what must I do to be saved? Listen, when we come into agreement with God and we rend the heavens, there will be such a manifestation of God around us that people will be trembling and asking, what must I do to be saved? How did this guy even know that there was a salvation? How did he know that there was anything to be saved from? But he must have been hearing the songs of praise from Paul and Silas. This is a man steeped in the authority and the, the hierarchy of the Roman government. But somehow he knew he needed to be saved. And I want to tell you that songs of salvation were on Paul's tongues. Songs of deliverance were on Silas's tongues. And this man heard the gospel as they were given glory to Jesus Christ. And I encourage every one of you, come on, corona uh, coronavirus isn't going to end our story. Coronavirus is but a paragraph in the story of God and the church of Jesus Christ is rising up with healing in her wings. Hallelujah. I'm believing and absolutely am convinced of a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost that is on us even right now as we link up with God, as we believe that this is the day, this is the year of God's favor, and this is the day of salvation. I'm living in revival. I'm living in the presence of God. I'm living in the spirit where God's voice speaks to me, and I want you to live in that place too. It rent the heavens to such a degree that in the same chapter, chapter 16, verse 35, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. <laughs> These are the same guys they whipped and flogged and threw into the inner cell. Somehow word got back to these magistrates in the wee hours of the morning and, and, and somehow they heard the message. Those crazy Christians that you whipped, that you flogged, that you threw into the inner prison. Somehow all night they just kept praising God and an earthquake came and everyone's chains were broken. Something, something unusual, something supernatural is happening. Listen, when you rend the heavens, the atmosphere over other people starts to change. And that's why you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, need to walk in a lifestyle of repentance. We need to be hungry for the things of God. We need to put on the praises of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because as the atmosphere starts to change around us, it'll change around everyone else as well. Even the magistrates were touched by something and had a change of mind. While they did not convert as far as we can see, their meanness, their sternness, their anger, their, 
desire to bring the full weight of the Roman law upon Paul and Silas suddenly turned around and they took two men who were in the inner prison and gave orders to set them free. And the apostle Paul sat there and said, no, after they whipped us, after they flogged us, after they put us in chains, we're Roman citizens. I demand that they come and escort us out of the city. There was such a change in the atmosphere that those very magistrates came down to the prison and they bid Paul to leave peaceably and not make trouble for them. You see, so often we're afraid of what's going on in the world. But if you and I had less of the world in us, the world would be aware of what's going on in us. And we need to pray and seek God and rend those heavens so that the fullness of the Spirit of God will start to affect our communities and our families. I want to share this thought with you. Praising God when you're in shackles and behind prison doors isn't the natural thing to do. I think we could all agree, right? You've just been whipped. Your back is raw. Wounds cut open. Your clothes are in shreds. And now you're leaning up a stone wall and you're chained to that wall. I don't think praising God is the most natural thing to do when you're in chains and when you're in prison. But listen to me. This natural world will bow to the supernatural order of God when we respond supernaturally. If Paul and Silas had have responded according to their natural circumstances, they would have died in prison. And you can die in your fear you can die in your sickness, you can die in your misery, or you can learn and remember the ways of God. God said, my ways are different than the ways of the natural world. You see, Paul and Silas weren't doing what the natural world would do. There were prisoners all throughout that prison, and probably some of them were declaring, you know, I'm not guilty, I'm innocent, and, and, and talking about uh, why... This is such an injustice, licking their wounds, feeling sorry for themselves, crying at the thought of what will lie ahead and what further judgments they would receive. But Paul and Silas didn't fill their minds up with the imaginations of the world. God said, my ways are different than the ways of the world. What are you doing during this time? Are you listening to the news and thinking the way they speak? Are you reading the paper and filling your imagination and your emotions with the worries of what the reporters are telling you? Are you listening to the White House and hoping that their stimulus will stimulate enough so that you and I won't be affected? Listen to me. You and I need to be moved by one thing and one thing only, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is our Savior, He is our Deliverer, He is our Lord. And so Paul and Silas, in the middle of this horrendous situation, they didn't do what was natural. 
They did what was supernatural and within their ability. And they supernaturally put on their praise and started to praise God. In short, let me say this. The miraculous happens. Listen to me. Come on. The miraculous happens when we ignore the natural and respond to God supernaturally. The miraculous happens when we ignore the natural and respond to God supernaturally. Now, this is the story that I had last night. This story of Paul and Silas in jail. But somewhere in the wee hours of the morning, God, I woke up. He said, I want you to take that story and I want you to pair these words what I just shared with you, that we should not respond naturally to natural circumstances, but that we need to respond supernaturally. I'm going to say it one more time. The miraculous happens when we ignore the natural and respond to God supernaturally. Listen to this passage of Scripture that God gave me in the wee hours of the morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the natural world have their minds set on what the natural world is saying, on what the natural world is doing, on what the natural world is supposing and proposing. Those who Live according to the flesh. Listen, if you're going to listen to the media, you're automatically going to line up with your flesh. If you listen to what's in the papers, you're automatically going to live out of the realm of fear and worry and suspicion. You're immediately going to live from the realm of the flesh because when our mind is on natural things, we will automatically go to the flesh. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have set their mind on what the Spirit desires. What Paul and Silas did that day, it was a spiritual thing. They weren't being natural men. They were being supernatural men. They weren't responding according to their flesh. They weren't crying about the injustice that took place. No, they weren't going to cry about their hard and difficult situation. They were going to give glory to God and say, Jesus is bigger than all this. Listen, some Christians would be tempted to complain about God and say, God, if you really cared for me, if you really loved me, if you're all that, why am I in prison? I've given up my life to preach your word. Sometimes the flesh gets to us and it ties us. It chains us to the natural world and its vices because we start to think carnal. The apostle Paul didn't judge God like that. He said, I know this story looks really bad. And I sure am in a little bit of pain. But this pain is going to be used to bring glory to God and to exalt God's power. I'm not going to think about my situation. I'm going to think about the captain 
of my soul. I'm going to think about the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Am I speaking to you yet? Come on. Is the word of God getting to you yet? I want to encourage you. Don't be full of what people at work are saying. Don't be full of what your neighbor is saying or your family is saying. Be full of the word of God. Be full of the praises of God. Romans 8 goes on to say, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Listen, if you continue to think according to the way the world does, it'll lead you to a place of death. It'll lead you to a place of brokenness. It'll lead you to a place of despair. It'll lead you to a place of depression. I'm gonna read it again. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Listen, be it 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, God told me to tell you to get your mind and stop thinking, stinking, thinking, and stop thinking what everybody else is saying and put your mind on the Word of God because if you don't, the mind of the flesh will lead to death. But the mind that has stayed on Him will be stayed in perfect peace and in shelter and in deliverance. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. The Bible goes on to say the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. It cannot do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Let me read it again. The mind governed by the flesh will end up being hostile or contrary or in disagreement with God. Church, it is very important that in these days we put on our helmet of salvation, we put on our breastplate of righteousness and take up that shield of faith Make sure your loins are girded with the belt of truth. Let the truth of what God says be in your heart and in your mouth. Because when the lies of what the devil says is in your heart, in your thinking, and in your emotions, and it comes out of your mouth, you are coming into agreement with the disorder of a fallen world. But if you want to come into agreement with the divine order of God's world, you must say as he says, think as he thinks, feel as he feels, and give praise to the King of Kings. In Romans chapter 8, the same chapter, verse 14, he says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart, let the Spirit of God lead your conversation. Let the Spirit of God influence your emotions. Fear not. Don't be afraid. You see, fear is permission to the enemy to have his way. But faith is permission to God to have his way. Come on, I want you to remember that. Fear is permission to the enemy to have his way, but faith is permission to God to have his way. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I'm talking to the church. You are the church. Don't become careless. Don't become callous. 
Don't put your praise down on the night table and wake up without it. Every morning, every day, wrap yourself in the promises of God and make declarations about God just like David did. David said, the Lord is my shepherd and therefore I'm never wanting. I don't lack anything. He leads me beside still water. He guards me. He feeds me. He takes me to where the pastures are green. The world is so convinced about being taken to where the pastures are full of coronavirus. I want you to know that your finances are in God's hand. Your business is in God's hand. Your son, your daughter is in God's hand. And while others will suffer loss, it is not natural in times like this to dance and to shout and to praise God and to get happy. But I'm going to tell you, don't do what's natural. Do what's supernatural. If you want the supernatural realm of heaven to invade your life, don't be bound by the natural, but give way and give vent to the supernatural of praise that leads to heaven so that heaven can lead and find its way to you. Come on, church. Come on. Powerful stuff here. It says, the spirit you receive doesn't make you a slave so that you fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Come on, don't be afraid. The spirit of God doesn't lead you back to fear the Spirit of God leads you to the Holy of Holies where you stand before the mercy seat of God and you crawl up onto his lap and let him hug you and cuddle you and you cry out, Dad, you're not just my God, you are my dad. And you have loved me to such a point where though I was broken, I was wrecked and I was ruined, you chose to adopt me and make me a part of your family. Church, as we conclude this morning, I encourage you today to let your mind be filled with the promises of God's word and let your mouth be filled with praise. Listen, listen, come on, listen. With the heart man believes and is saved and confession is made unto salvation, the heart is the realm of your intellect and your emotions. So watch. Fill your mind with the promises of God. Let praise fill your emotions so that your heart, your mind, and your emotions are coming into agreement. If you fill your mind with the promises of God and you start to sing the praises of God, the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions come into agreement. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now start to sing those praises. Start to quote those promises of God's protection. And as you do that, the heavens over you will be broke open. I don't care how fat that demon is sitting over your house. As you start to do supernatural things in a natural situation, as you start to do what isn't natural but supernatural, the heavens will rip open and the glory and the presence and the power of God 
will come down into your life and into your situation. It'll minister to you and your loved ones. Amen. I believe it. So as we close this morning, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, maybe somehow you just happened onto this uh, Facebook page or onto YouTube, it's very simple. God didn't make it difficult. He came for everyone, and so he made it easy. God loves you so much that he became flesh, and he took all of the weight of the guilt of your sin and my sin, everything that made us broken and everything that made us ugly. And he became it. And he allowed himself to be put on that cross and he died. So that as he takes our life, we can take his life. He who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, knew no sin. Yet the Bible says on that cross, he became all of your sin and all of my sin so that we could become all of his righteousness. You see, the cross is the place of exchange between heaven and earth. How did God bring heaven and earth back into agreement? Through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, I want you to pray with me right now. Repeat these words. Dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you're talking to me. And I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart right now. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I am so sorry for how my life has been. And I welcome you, Jesus Christ. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. And most importantly, Jesus, I'm asking you to live inside me and take control of my life from this day forward. Now, Father God, I believe that a simple prayer like this has gone straight to your ears. And I thank you that today my sins are forgiven and I have been adopted into your family through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, it's been a pleasure being with you. If you've just asked Jesus Christ into your heart, I encourage you to notify us either by ringing the church telephone number 813-855-8491 or right there as you're watching on Facebook, you can type in and let us know that you've asked Jesus into your heart and inbox us so that it's private so that we can connect with you. If you would leave a phone number or some way that we could contact you through email, we would love to be in touch with you and let you know more about what just happened as you asked Jesus Christ into your heart. 
No, I didn't forget to take up the tithes and offerings this morning. And so as we close, let's close with a sacrifice of praise. Some of you are afraid about whether or not you still have a job, and maybe some of you may have already lost your job. Could you today let your tithes and offerings be a sacrifice of praise? Let me tell you, if God receives the sacrifice of praise, then he didn't ignore it. And if he didn't ignore it, he's going to bless it. Because on every sacrifice, God will rain down his blessing. Some of you have already been giving to grace and faith through online platforms that we have. And you can continue to do that. But we've now developed a new platform or have a new platform made available that's even a bit easier so that you could give wherever you are, whenever the Spirit of God touches your heart. It's called Text to Give. And all you have to do is pick up your cell phone and go to your messages where you would send a text. And in the address to the, uh, whoever you would normally send a text to, type in the phone number 813-773-2741. That's 813-773-2741. And then in the message of your text, just write, whatever your tithe and offering would be. Take your tithe and your offering and make a, a gift unto the Lord. Let this be your sacrifice of praise. All over the world, wherever you're watching from, may the Spirit of God be upon you and bless you and keep you. And may he bless your house and your children and your children's children. And in Jesus' name, may the enemy and all of his devices and all of his tricks be far from you and your family. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Thank you for joining with us, and we'll be in touch. Keep watching us on the Grace and Faith Church YouTube channel or on Grace and Faith uh, Church uh, Facebook page or on our website, Grace and Faith Church, uh, sorry, graceandfaith.church. God bless you, and have an incredibly awesome week.